Right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Cabinet meeting. Um, <coughs> starting on with item one, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. An apology from Councillor Dean. Councillor Deal, where we have the pleasure of Councillor Sell in his place. Okay, uh, the minutes of the previous meeting, are they a true record for those that were present? Okay. Uh, item three, matters arising from those minutes. I'll take them by number, uh, but also by page. So 16 to 18. Any matters arising, 16 to 18? Councillor Howell. Simply a point of information, the land clearance at Broxted has taken place. Um, very grateful to the enforcement um, function here at Uttlesford for the hard work they did. Um, anyway, just to let you know. That's very helpful. Thank you. Uh, item 19, CA 19. 20. <laughs> Councillor Barker. Um, Chairman, we had a locality board meeting on Monday where we met with the County Council and we did briefly touch on the Essex Waste local plans. We did raise our concerns there about a number of the sites with them again and they did let us know that a further site at Newport has been added into their uh, sites that they are looking at. But will be duly consulted upon in the usual way. Okay, thank you. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Okay, I shall duly sign those as a true record. We've dealt with the matters arising. Thank you. Questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council? I don't think there are any. Matters referred to the Executive? I don't think there are any. Reports from Performance and Audit and Scrutiny Committees. Now, there has been a Scrutiny Committee, so I don't know whether Councillor Sell is briefed on this one in Councillor Dean's absence. Yes, Mr Chairman, uh, the Scrutiny Committee has just... The uh, purpose of one of our last meeting was to decide on a work programme for this year. And we have... Uh, Mr Webb may want to add to this. We've decided that the first candidate uh, to be looked at was going to be enforcement. And, and that would include the whole area of enforcement, licensing, as well as planning. And the officers will be working a document up for our next meeting. The committee has decided that, unlike the previous council, scrutiny will be concentrating much more on what's happening here rather than what's happening with their partners. Thank you for that. Mr Webb. Thank you, Chairman. Just on the um, piece of work done by the Planning Advisory Service, there was, uh, the, the committee agreed some recommendations, which includes uh, a recommendation coming to Cabinet. It was too late to get onto this agenda, so it will come to the October meeting. Thank you. I think I was at the meeting and I think um, the summary of the recommendation is that obviously we are observant of the recommendations in that report 
um, and that we demonstrate um, collectively that we're following them through. And I think today there was some agreement around the table of the scrutiny committee that um, this was happening in the current process, but we'll continue to demonstrate uh, that it is happening and that we're responding to all the points from PAS. So I think we look forward to that, but hopefully it's in hand. Thank you. Okay, um, that brings us therefore to item seven, and I call upon Councillor Howell to present. Uh, thank you, Leader. Um, can I preface my remarks, um, first of all, by saying um, you'll be aware that our statements of accounts from 2014-15 are now available, and it's important, I think, for me to note that we received an unqualified audit opinion for the seventh successive year. Uh, the auditors also found very little of substance to raise in their financial report. As I say, the, the accounts are now available. They'll be considered by the Performance and Audit Committee at their meeting uh, next week. But I'd like to thank Angela Knight and her team for the hard work that was done. It's a, uh, well, it's a fairly intense process for that department, and they worked extremely hard over the course of the summer. Forgoing holidays in some occasions, I think, there was a tiny amount of stress around the process, but the overall result was extremely pleasing. So thank you very much to you and your team. Be kind enough to pass on my thanks. Um, the report in front of you to, to, tonight, item 7, uh, details the financial performance um, of the Council as it relates to the general fund, the housing revenue account and the, and the capital programme. It's based upon our uh, ex actual expenditure uh, and income for the first four months of the financial year, that's April through to July, and it seeks to predict a forecast for the end of, fi of the financial year. Um, the, the report also deals with our Treasury management in the period. Uh, there's a recommendation on paragraph 6, which is that we note and approve this report, and moreover that we remove Catons Lane car park budget of 155,000 from the capital programme and put it, put it back into the Strategic Initiative Fund Reserve as set out in paragraph 17. Um, if it would be helpful, I'd happily talk through the contents of the report. Um, so, Paragraphs 8 to 12 deal with the, the general fund. I rely on a paper version, so I'm going to tell you what pages they're on. Um, the, um, they, are, they deal with pages 12 through to 16. So paragraph 8, the, the first table dealing with the general fund, is a forecast um, of our uh, outturn. To date, we are forecasting an underspend in the year of £549,000. Um, and it shows a summary uh, of our performance against each of the budget portfolios. Uh, there's much more detail in Appendix A on pages 21 to 25 against each of the portfolios. Um, paragraph 9 um, shows our key variances when they're greater than £10,000 within each service budget, both overspends, underspends, um, and also over the page on page 14, uh, items of increased income. Um, paragraph 10 lists the corporate items and the uh, funding variances in the general fund. Uh, and, item, and paragraph 11, um, I think you have to refer to Appendix B on page 26 for this. Um, but this um, shows the reserves position as at the 1st of April 2015 and our expected outturn as at the 31st of March 2016. Um, the net drawdown on reserves in the year is predicted at £1,343,000. 
Paragraph 12 deals with the outturn forecasts for the year end, um, and it's our most informed prediction of where we are likely to be at this point. Um, clearly, there's an element of risk across a number of areas, and, and all of these areas have the potential to be, have quite a significant impact on the financial outturn for the year. Using the phrase coined by Donald Rumsfeld, I think these are our known unknowns, as it were. Um, and dealing with them each in turn, it's the business rates retention, the housing benefits subsidy income claims, council tax sharing agreement, uh, our income for food inspection, which I know Councillor Barker is particularly interested in, and there's some narrative there, and, and our waste collection. All of these have the potential to have some variance against um, what we are currently predicting. Paragraph 13 through to 16 on pages 17 to 18 deal with the housing revenue account, uh, and Angela has tabled an amendment uh, to paragraph 13, and I'll draw your attention to the, how am I going to describe this? The line one up from the bottom is the, one I, is the phrase I can think of. Um, there was an incorrect carry across and the table in front of you is the total use of reserves and funding in the period. Dealing then further on with, um, sorry, I should say that the housing revenue account is showing a, a projected forecast overspend of um, 613,000 compared to a 109,000 operating deficit and we are expecting a 504,000 shortfall for the funding of the capital programme. So moving on, um, in the same way that we dealt with um, previously uh, with the general fund, we talk about the key variances across the service areas in corporate items, and then turning over the page, um, paragraph 16 deals with the housing revenue account reserves, and they're summarised on that table. The capital programme on page 19, which is paragraph 17, we forecast capital expenditure of £14,451,000 compared to a budget of £15,259,000. Now, there's effectively a reduction in our capital spending in the year of 818000 but I do need to point out that 770000 of that is requested slippages. These relate to Mead Court and Hatherley Court and the details are there in the report. So, effectively, the true underspend is £48,000. Um, full details of the capital programme are set out in Appendix D, which is on page 29, and on page 30, there's a summary of our section 106 uh, balances. Um, and then finally, over the page on page 20, paragraphs 18 and 19, we have a summary of our treasury management in the period from the 1st of April through to the 31st of July. Uh, and again, I need to refer you to one of the appendices, in this case Appendix E <coughs> on page 31. And on page 32 for details of our Treasury management. So there is a recommendation, um, and I'm happy, of course, to take questions, and those I can't answer, I will refer to other people in the room. Thank you very much indeed, Councillor Howell. That was very helpful. Um, I, assuming that uh, the housing bill becoming an act uh, will not impact on this financial year, but I think we are very aware of its future impacts, and that will be uh, part of a future study. 
and uh, figures, and I know we're all lobbying furiously to try and mitigate that, but uh, we'll have to see how successful we are. Um, but it's, um, it is a challenge. Okay, let me open it up. Councillor Lodge. Just on that one, it's obviously extremely worrying, and I've, I've seen Councillor Redfern's um, letter. Have we, have we had a chance to do any analysis? Do we have any gut feel on this? Because it potentially could be very serious, or is it just really too soon to know? No, I think we have actually, and I'll ask officers, uh, <coughs> either Angela or um, Julie or Adrian, they're pointing between them at the moment, <laughs> but... Uh, um, <coughs> The, the, the second part of uh, that uh, letter is that this was raised at um, chief executive and leaders uh, across the whole of Essex because clearly uh, so some um, authorities are fortunate that they have sold off their um, social housing. Um, so, but somebody else gets impacted, but they don't particularly. Um, and uh, the chief executive is coordinating a, res a collective response to the same ministers, but nevertheless it will uh, obviously carry... Uh, probably greater weight because it's, uh, it's covering more authorities um, and there's, there's quite a lot of intensive lobby and the LGA are heavily involved as well so it's not just Uttlesford but uh, who, who would like to respond? I'll, I'll respond initially it's cabinet so it should really be the portfolio holder who does so I defer to Councillor Redfern Okay, thank you <laughs> Thank you Adrian um, Well I might have to refer to Angela I think but um, <laughs> We obviously don't, we don't we don't really know what the impact will be fully yet on the um, part of the housing bill that mean at the moment it, as you saw from my letter it looks like we will have to um, in theory could have to sell up to 47% uh, of our um, pr the, pr the houses we own which is pretty much all our general needs housing and we will be left with our social house. Uh, sheltered housing because we that doesn't that you can't exercise the right to buy on that anyway um, the other thing that wasn't in my letter but I think is in the other letter that's going is the uh, 1% um, decrease in rent um, that also does have um, that has a big effect on us but I think we're looking at restructuring our debt over a longer period to try and mitigate that the, the thing that really worries us we can we can if we have to we can deal with that we prefer not to but we can but the problem we do have is that we are at the moment being bunched as um, the eastern region and of course the properties here are much more expensive than say for example in um, know, Ipswich, Norwich, even Haverhill and so that is why we're asking to be removed from the eastern region at the, at the least but I mean obviously Cambridge have got the same situation, Epping have got the same situation so we are talking to those as well. Councillor Sell. Yes thank you. Uh, one question and then two brief comments were made. Uh, page three of this report refers to the PCSO and the fact that I think it was Councillor Chambers quite a few years ago introduced the match funding of PCSOs from this council. Uh, I should declare an interest as a member of Stansted Parish Council. We did the same. And I realise that the funding for the police authority is under a lot of pressure. But it does seem to me that this was then a worthwhile initiative and in Stansted where we once had three PCSOs one of whom was 
part funded 50% by the parish council. We've now got two, and I'm not quite sure what the position is in Walden, because I think the PCSO funding was for Saffron Walden. Um, I'll just make that comment. And then on page 18, just two brief comments, and there's a reference to CCTV, and uh, colleagues... Could you give us the paragraph? Because yes. uh, it's quite difficult with the page numbers. Yes. We're all on a different page. Yes, OK. I'll just get to page 18. Um, there we go. Mm. Yes. Uh, we're, we're, the capital programme is under the total community partnerships and engagement mm. block there, community mm. safety. Mm. And there's a reference to CCTV Stansted. Uh, colleagues might be interested to know that the CCTV programme, uh, which was a big enhancement, has already been used by the police as a, in a prosecution, and the police are very happy with the new equipment. The last comment I would make is in relation to... Just going down the page here. Let's find it. And that is in relation just to thank uh, Councillor Rolfe in particular for the grant of £30,000 towards public conveniences. Here we are. This is um, £30,000 towards uh, standard conveniences. This is under UDC asset work. And, and this is going to go into our new build on Crafton Green. And... I'm sure uh, members of Parish Council are very happy that we've managed to get this grant. Thank you. I'll uh, start the response and then others might want to chip in. I, it's kind of you to uh, thank me, but obviously it's a collective and it started before uh, my time by Councillor Chambers, actually. But uh, all part of what we hope will be a very successful development. Um, as far as CCTV, that's good and uh, we're very supportive of CCTV and if we need more, then we'll certainly uh, be looking to put in more cameras. As far as PCSOs, and I'll ask the Chief Executive just to uh, confirm that I'm correct. I don't think, well, the police are phasing out PCSOs. Um, our budget has remained the same, we're, uh, uh, but they're not match funding us. Um, so we've got two less because we're, we had four split payments and now we're, we're fully financing two. Uh, I think we'll be going to special constables um, and we need to work carefully. But I think this is part of a bigger story, which is that um, the police budgets, like every other budget, is going to be cut. And... Um, there's going to be quite a lot of work that's going to have to be done by the community and we're going to need to work out how we do that. Uh, and um, uh, um, Councillor Gordon, uh, the lead member for that, is, is starting to work with the uh, Community Safety Partnership in terms of uh, what we could and, and, and perhaps should be doing. So, um, but that is the position on PCSOs, and I agree with you. It's, uh, they, they had been a, a, a help, but um, we're in the hands of the police on that. Chief Executive, do you want to add to anything? Uh, thank you, Leader. No, the, the, I don't think we're funding any PCSOs at the moment, and I think that you're right, they are being phased out over time, but uh, we have not been asked to fund any of the PCSOs, and um, uh, the, the, we can't 
do it on our own. We can't, we can't do them on our own. And the, I say the, the, the concept is, is, is moving away from that and towards special constables. Um, and we do have a, we, 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 we can use some of this budget for special constable training and we've been asked to do so and we're in the process of negotiating with the police around that at the moment and partly for using the lodge for that purpose as well. So um, things are happening there. Thank you. Councillor Barker. Thank you. Um, you may not be able to answer this this evening, Councillor Howell, but perhaps you could report back in the future. Uh, paragraph 9 on page 13 mentions savings in revenues administration. Uh, it reads that 80,000 has been saving related to council tax sharing agreement and transfer of fraud case work to the DWP. This has generated a charge to restructure staffing and there was a delayed start in the fraud and compliance post for the council tax sharing agreement. What I'd like to ask is when are we going to know or will we be able to judge the impact on our council tax collection rates and actually our council tax base because I assume that what we're looking at here is looking at cases where perhaps um, somebody is claiming a discount for various reasons on their council tax and in looking further into it we find that perhaps they should be paying full council tax or, or similar cases um, and I think it would be interesting for us to receive back um, some work later in the year perhaps on um, the impact that this sharing agreement has, has made. Oh, thank you, Councillor Barker. I'll, I'll do my best to come back with, uh, with an answer, but I do note that I think we've transferred the fraud casework to the Department of Work and Pensions. I'm not sure we'd then have visibility on what fraud they've identified within our district. I will defer to, to, to Mrs Knight because she may completely contradict me on that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to completely contradict you. Our, our fraud referrals are going to the DWP, but what we're working on is fraud compliance. So it's, it's about the single person's discount, empty homes premium, second homes premium. There's two pieces of work um, with consultants going ahead at the moment identifying those. We've got two compliance officers in place as part of the sharing agreement and we do do quarterly monitoring on the effect and the additional um, to the council tax base and I can put that into a summary report and bring it to cabinet that's not a problem thank you I think it would just be you know we, yeah. we have offices in, in place um, we'd like to sort of uh, be assured that um, you know they're, they're, they're carrying this out I do seem to remember there was a report to cabinet about the ability to find people if they were inappropriately filling in forms that's right there was yeah and if they yeah. didn't return them in, in a timely manner okay. and well at, at some point it would be useful to see <clears throat> thank you and we do have it we are funding that to a very small amount as well as part of the preceptor agreement I don't think necessarily for minuting but uh, you're probably aware that uh, we've had some feedback about the tone of the letter that's gone out not the <laughs> okay uh, well, I'm carrying on. I'm quite happy for this to be broadcast, uh, but about the tone of the letter that's gone out, not, not about the content, um, which we agreed, as you correctly say, at Cabinet, but just be mindful of uh, how we convey that. Okay, any other? Councillor Lodge. Thank you. A couple of relatively small issues. One was on um, the, the loss of revenue from uh, Essex County Council hiring this. I understand there are plans to maybe move around the staff and uh, let a part of the building. I just wonder what the progress was and timescales on that. If I kick off and then ask the Chief Executive or maybe Mr Webb to, uh, to comment. Um, we now have some vacant accommodation yep. and uh, aligning that with 
um, what is likely to happen on the 25th of November, I think it's appropriate that we look to use that to our best uh, economic advantage. Um, as you're aware, we have, well, you're particularly aware, we've all, already accommodate two voluntary sector organisations and uh, there hasn't uh, They've come forward, they're accommodated, there hasn't been further requests. So I think um, it's right that we make best use of that facility. I think ratepayers would expect that. If we're able to do that in conjunction with something that makes this a better one-stop shop uh, for um, residents to come to, then I think that would be good. But that may not be achievable. Mr. Wimble, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you. Um, Yes, uh, at the moment planning occupy the ground floor uh, underneath the Chief Exec's room and uh, they will be moving upstairs where Essex County Council were and that gives us an opportunity to let the ground floor which is a much more attractive proposition. We're currently working through options and we will keep you informed as and when. Um, in terms of planning moving upstairs that will be aimed for December. We're currently, yesterday at planning committee, you approved the replacement of the windows upstairs. So once we've done that, planning will start to move upstairs and then that will free up the ground floor to commence whatever we decide to do with it in terms of some sort of commercial rent. Sorry, I did say there were two. Okay. Uh, the second one is on the, uh, the cycle path and uh, not... not not uh, comments uh, related to some of the other ones that are happening about the function of the cycle path, but about question is about the funding. The implication is that the whole funding is from Section 106, uh, much of which still has to be recovered, I believe. Is that the actual case? I, I, uh, I did have a, uh, something of a hope that my uh, other council might be partially funding it. Well, again, I'll uh, refer to either Mrs. Knight or Mr. Webb, but uh, you are correct in your assumption that um, Ulster District Council underwrote this uh, on the assumption that uh, it would, we would get our money back uh, through 106 and then move that money on to the next project. Um, but obviously, as a result of uh, um, some of the planning decisions uh, associated with the cycle path, um, we may not get all our money and we'll have to think of the implications for that. Uh, what, what, I, what I will say now um, to Mrs Knight and Mr Webb is I think it would be good, we referred to the Strategic Initiatives Funds and I think it would be good to bring a paper back to Cabinet before Christmas in terms of where we're up to on that. Uh, I know that's in the hands of us so, but, and, and we'll drive that. Um, but uh, you know, I think we need to give some transparency and clarity to what our, you know, the key projects are, some of which are in the, uh, these figures anyway. But in t specifically about that cycle path, perhaps you could. Uh, as, far, as far as finance side, well, yes, we allocated £200,000 to effectively pump prime the provision of a cycle path with the aim of Section 106 replenishing it, I think uh, Count, Mr Harborough may well be able to provide more information on the process. Yes, um, that, uh, that arrangement was predicated on getting 106 obligations um, requiring financial contributions at the appropriate trigger. Um, but given that some of the anticipated developments haven't got planning permission, 
yes, as you say, part of the funding will not be will not materialise unless other developments come forward, which um, in themselves bring contributions. But that will depend upon the impact of those particular developments and whether it's relevant or not. But we will, will look very hard at uh, where else um, we can support uh, the Cyclepath network extension because it does remain a core objective. Any other? No? In which case, uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, it's very good that uh, we are in remain in positive uh, financial shape. Um, as I say, we will... Um, you're looking as though you might want me... I, I want to remind you there is a record. Yeah, I'm coming to that. Um, uh, that we remain in fi positive financial shape, uh, but we all wait with bated breath for November the 25th, which could very much change uh, future discussions. But as I say, um, we'll have a look at the SIF in the context of what might happen on November the 25th, but but the fact that we have got a budget uh, for some of those capital programmes. Okay, um, I'm quite happy to remind uh, colleagues of the recommendation, which is to note and approve the report and to remove Caton's Lane uh, car park budget from the capital programme. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. We move on to item 8, uh, which is the... Clavering Parish plan and I call upon Councillor Barker. Thank you Chairman. Chairman I have pleasure in presenting the Clavering Parish plan. We have one recommendation to consider namely that the Cabinet adopts the Parish plan as Council approved guidance in determining planning applications in the Parish and as background evidence in the preparation of the local plan. The findings of the surveys carried out to inform the plans find that the majority of residents who responded feel that the village is in need of more rental and more affordable property, as well as property suitable for retirement. The village shop, the pubs and cafe are well used and valued, as is the school, and also the extension to the 30 mile an hour limit introduced in 2013. Home working is popular. The plan gives some of the history of the village and details the work and travel patterns and demographics of its residents, with 21% of respondents having lived there for more than 40 years and 64% for 10 or more. With an ageing population, it was good to read about Clavering Care, a long-established voluntary help scheme to enable elderly or disabled residents keep medical appointments and collect medicines. The report details some of the activities of the 23 clubs in the villages and ideas that have been put forward for more village activities. The survey details car ownership, which is high, and residents' views on car sharing. Particular mention is made of byways where residents are keen to see the continuation and extension of winter closures. The parish plan has a comprehensive action plan, including items such as welcome packs, the village website, and the speed watch committee. Chairman, I propose that the plan be adopted. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Howell, uh, any comments? Councillor Redfern. Um, this is not... Um exactly for clavering but um, just the comments about um, accommodation suitable for the elderly um, I think at some point maybe councillor Rolf and Barker this 
perhaps comes into your your work, but perhaps we ought to. I know at the moment we request um, on um, developments 5% bungalows, but maybe we should be looking to increase that as Ottawa does seem to have an increasingly ageing population. And that is the one thing you hear on the doorstep everywhere is that there aren't enough bungalows, and when there are, they get a lid put on them and are turned into houses. So perhaps it's something we could take forward at another time. Councillor Barker. I think what may be interesting is when we receive the SHMAR, the Strategic Housing Market Assessment uh, papers that are due to be uh, received shortly, um, and see what they say about uh, mix of housing and anything else. Um, but I think there are bungalows, and I think villages prefer bungalows, but we mustn't forget that um, here in Saffron Walden there's lots of flats that are designed for retirement living as well, and I think we need a mix of those. Um, perhaps when villages such as Clavering come forward with um, exception sites that we could be looking at those to provide a mix um, because people you know you don't get very many old bungalows that people want to move into uh, but if we could provide some new ones that perhaps as a market element of an exception site can help fund the exception site I think that should be considered any other comments no um, I remind you of the recommendation that uh, we adopt the parish plan uh, as council approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence in the preparation of the local plan. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Um, might I ask whether I missed asking for a seconder to the first motion? I didn't. We have a seconder to the first point. Good. Okay. Uh, moving on to agenda item nine, um, the Quendon and Rickling village plan. I call upon Councillor Barker to present. Thank you, Chairman. I'm pleased to present the Quinton and Rickling Village Plan. In 2012, all residences and known businesses throughout Quinton and Rickling were delivered a questionnaire. The results of these responses are summarised in the plan have been used as the basis of an action plan. 275 questionnaires were delivered and 177 returned, uh, a rate of 64%, which is very good. The plan is slightly different from most of our plans. It gives us a very comprehensive history um, of the evolution of villages with homes dating back to the 13th century and tells us that the villages of Kuendanam and Rushlinga were mentioned in the Doomsday Book of 1086. There are 56 listed buildings in the combined parish. Um, these parishes were actually separate until 1949 when the civil parish of Quentin and Rickley was established and in 2012 eventually the Church of England parishes combined. A familiar landmark, the fountain, was actually a handsome well house and cattle trough was given to the parishes in 1888 in memory of the late Mrs. Cranmer Bing. Her husband gave the well house and her brother the cattle trough. The results of the survey summarise age and occupation of the residents and goes on to look at the environment, with residents being concerned about litter, better maintenance of verges and hedgerows, road, road and airport noise are highlighted as concerns, as well as the use, again, of byways by four by fours. The plan usefully has updates on each page on the recommendations made. For example, if you're concerned about litter, that you can get litter grabbers and bags and gloves from the parish clerk. There are particular concerns raised about a number of roads in the parish and a large number of recommendations. There is a comprehensive report on the really bad mobile phone and broadband coverage in the parish, which is poor to say the least. Some residents even have problems with TV reception. Residents on the whole do not wish to see many more homes in the parish, but might want to see the parish thrive as it is, with more opportunities for meeting and a more affordable pub. 
Chairman, this is a comprehensive report based on a good response rate to the village questionnaires, and I propose the Cabinet adopts the village plan as council-approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence in preparation of the local plan. Thank you, Councillor Parker. Do I have a second? Councillor Howell, any comments? Councillor Howell. Could I just say how much I enjoyed reading both reports? Mm. I, I, I really like Clavering, and, and, and for that matter, Rickling and, and, and Quendon, and they were really, really mm. interesting reports. I was fascinated by the things that people put forward that they would like. I particularly like the nomination for eight or eight people said they wanted metal cows in Clavering, which I thought was an unusual. But, but it, they are interesting. I, I read the history of, of Rickling and, and Quendon with interest. I was astonished to hear that Count, Captain Osborne was charged with exceeding the 12 mile an hour speed limit on the Cambridge Road in 1902. It's just really great fun reading these. There's an enormous amount of work goes into them. And what it demonstrates to me is that we have thriving communities which people love and they want to see carry on thriving. And I, I think they are just such good, good contributions to our understanding of the community and what it seeks. Yeah, absolutely. Any other comments? No, those in favour of... Let me remind you of the recommendation, which is that Cabinet adopt the village plan as council-approved guidance in determining planning applications in the parish and as background evidence in the preparation of the local plan. Those in favour? Those against, carried unanimously. Item 10, designated, designation of Stansted Mount Fitchett Neighbourhood Development Plan Area. Chairman, this is very straightforward. Uh, the Council has received an application from Stansted Mount Fitchett Parish Council for the designation of a neighbourhood plan area. This has been advertised in accordance with the regulations and no comments have been received. The Parish proposes that the plan area follows the parish boundary to the north, west and south but to the southeast, it follows the boundary of the airport rather than the parish boundary, which actually runs through the middle of the airport. So what they're looking to do is exclude the airport's operational land within their parishes from the plan area. Once designated, the district council will be able to claim a grant of £5,000 to assist with the costs of dealing with the submission. Chairman, I propose the designation of the area as shown on Appendix 1 as the Stanston Mount Fitchett Neighbourhood Development Plan Area. Thank you, Councillor Parker. Do I have a seconder to that? Councillor Howell. Uh, anybody wish to comment? Yes, Councillor Sell. Yeah. Declaring interest as a member of the Parish Council. A couple of points. Um, we have set up a working group, and both the Chairman and the Vice Chairman of that neighbourhood plan working group are not councillors, they're local residents. The other point I want to make is that quite a few town and parish councils in this district are going through with neighbourhood plans and I just think there should be some sort of mechanism of sharing information. We have had a couple of meetings with Dunmo Town Council but I'm aware that other local, other town and parish councils in the district are doing that and there doesn't seem to be any formal communication. Yes, obviously each each parish is unique, but the, there must be, uh, must be use in sharing of information, sharing of particular expertise. Thank you, Councillor Sell, and I'll um, call upon Mr Harborough to comment in just a moment. As you're aware, the Council has employed a, a specialist advisor for the development of neighbourhood plans. We take them very seriously. They're a key building block, as indeed are village plans. Um, uh, as part of the whole um, interaction around the local plan. 
But uh, your point is well made, and I'll ask Mr. Harper to comment. Yes, I'm sure we'd be prepared to facilitate the exchange of information to enable communities to talk to each other, uh, their respective neighbourhood plan teams. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, that's great. Any other comments? No, in which case I remind you of the recommendation, which is to designate the amended area outlined on the, on the map at Appendix 1 as the Stansted Mount Fitchett Neighbourhood Development Plan Area. Those in favour? Those against? Unanimous. We move on to Item 11, which is the Community Project Grant Scheme 2015-16. I call upon Councillor Wells. Thank you, Chair. Uh, this paper outlines the details of the Community Project Grant Scheme for 2015-16. Appendix 1 lists the awards that have been made. It's considered that for reasons of good practice and transparency that we should in future um, bring it to Cabinet for ratification. And the report is simply for noting at this stage. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Wells. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Barker, any comments? Councillor Barker. Chairman, could I ask that, as we did at some point last year, we bring back to Cabinet, perhaps um, in a couple of months' time, the status of the members' uh, new homes bonus grants in order that we can see that money is being allocated appropriately and, and the members are actually allocating the money? Yes, I'm sure we can do that. Um, Councillor Sell. Yeah, I, I welcome the suggestion by Councillor Barker because I think it's very opportune. I think there is, and I've, I've sent you an email, uh, Leader, um, in Stansted, as we know at the moment, the rules are members have to spend the money within their particular wards. Stansted, like Suffern Walden, like Dunmo, we have more than one ward, and the ward boundaries are to some extent artificial, and we are trying to get a defibrillator for a telephone box in Lower Street. All four members for Stansted have indicated their willingness to contribute. They've been told by this council, two of the members have been told by this council, you can't contribute because the said phone box is not within your ward. And yet the ward boundaries are literally a matter of yards and you may be a resident who has a heart attack and he's come from, dare I say it, Stansted South and Birchanger. Yeah, thank you uh, for that point and it's made, been made a number of times before. I'll ask Mr Webb to comment. Thank you, yes. The, the criteria as it is at the moment does say in your ward. Um, what we're looking at, and there, there is a way of doing this, is to be able to, uh, it would have to come back to Cabinet and request Cabinet to authorise. If Effectively, the money would have to be given back to Cabinet and then allocated to the project. So there, are, there is ways of doing it, and I'll talk to Councillor Sell outside of this meeting. Councillor Howell. Uh, could I just say, well, it's welcome to actually have this information, and I, I certainly endorse the governance aspect, uh, governance aspect of this, but I also actually, reading the list of issues and projects that we've supported, I think they, I know I sound a bit like a record, but they are, they are really good. They are an impressive reflection of the community groups and the action, activities that go on in our community. The two that affect my ward... Samford Parish Council for a hard-standing area for, for cars in the village, and then the purchase of a zip wire. There was a long, long debate at the Parish Council about the right project to put in for and what, what the criteria were and what the priorities are. 
and it is extremely welcome in the communities where we are able to make grants. Uh, I know that, that, that money is always tight, and £94,000 is, 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 is a considerable uh, amount of, of money from our budget. But nevertheless, it goes a very, very long way. I know it's appreciated. Uh, I hope that many of the recipients write to thank you. I certainly know that Sanford Parish Council and Radwinter Recreation Ground Charity were extremely grateful. Thank you very much for that. Um, and as, as you're aware, it's match funded, so it actually sort of binds the community into the project as well. Um, going back to Councillor Sell's point, um, I'm certainly open to that because I experienced it myself at one point. And um, I think we'd have to be consistent, obviously, for all the towns. But, uh, I mean, your example is a particularly good, good one, actually, where... Um, you know, logic would suggest that you should be able to do that. So uh, Mr. Webb has given us some ideas and um, we'll take those away and look carefully at them because it, it, it just enhances the point of the, of the exercise. I don't think it detracts from it at all. Councillor Seligan and then Councillor Redfern. Briefly. Stands like Saffron Warden, like Dunmo, is split into wards, which by by necessity artificial trying to create the electoral numbers and because what's it, seven councillors for Saffron Walden, five for Dunmo etc is there not some sort of logic which suggests that if there's a project for the town or in case of stance for the village the members if they agree could come together to pull their new homes bonus and that creates perhaps something more worthwhile Mr. Webb, I think, I think, as I said, that's that's the sort of thing that has been muted elsewhere, and that's the sort of thing we're looking at. But I, th I think if Michael Perry can just give us an update, there's specific reasons why it's not easy. Yeah, the situation is that legally, individual members um, do not have a budget uh, as such to do general things with. The way the budget works is that members are delegated. Um, executive powers for their own ward and that's as far as the law allows the delegation to go and therefore you can't spend money outside of your ward but as Mr Webb said um, it would be possible for members to surrender their budget back to the cabinet with a request that the cabinet perform that function on their behalf and that's something that we're looking into go on. Does this strike me as as right because the acid test should be is this going to benefit the people of your ward and with the defibrillator whether regardless whether you're in Stancy South or Birchang or Stancy North yes the answer could be well it could be a lifesaver and I'm not suggesting that uh, ward members in Stansford, for example, would spend money in the Sanfords, for example, because that clearly would be wrong. But within a defined community like Stansford, Saffron, and Walden, uh, where you've got these artificial boundaries, I, I just think it's uh, a hindrance to getting things done. Okay, but you've heard from um, our legal officer and so clearly there are things we can't do and we, we have to respect that. But there are ways around it which have been intimated. So I think the spirit we can carry through and, and we'll review that and come back to Cabinet with some suggestions. But we take, we take the point. 
Are there any other? Councillor Redfern. Um, yes, I'd li also like to um, thank everybody on behalf of the various parishes that I represent. We've got different um, items in here, but there is one thing I wonder if Councillor Lodge could answer for me, because I did go through the list, and there was one in Saffron Walden that I just wondered what it was, and it says um, repairs and make watertight pavilion and summer house paint and paint CCTV camera poles. Well, obviously CT camera, CCTV camera poles are obvious, but what, which pavilion and summer house is that, please? Well, does, do you know Councillor Wells? I wondered that, but I just... Yeah, I, I wondered if it was that or if it was the cricket club or where it was, that was all. I think it is, yeah, I'm pretty certain it was the uh, Bridge End Gardens. Okay, if there are no other queries, then uh, I remind you of the recommendation, which is that we're requested to note the report. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 12, Christmas car parking, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, the report sets out three recommendations around Christmas parking. Um, the first is to introduce free after three o'clock on all council-managed car parks except for Ferrycroft Waitrose during the period from Saturday the 7th of November to the 23rd inclusive. Then to introduce free parking in all council-managed car parks except Ferrycroft Waitrose from the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, until Sunday the 4th of January and then to introduce free parking all day on Saturday the 5th of December at Lower Street Car Park in Stansted um, due to the Frost Fair. Um, those are three recommendations, Chairman. There are some financial implications. The free after three, the loss of income is likely to be around £8,500, and between Christmas Eve and the New Year in the region of £10,000. We have consulted with the parish and town councils where we have car parks. Um, some of them, of course, would like further concessions, but we feel that this is a, a reasonable balance to help traders in the run-up to Christmas and the New Year. Thank you very much. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Wells, um, this is, as you indicated, three weeks earlier than last year. It uh, follows uh, first Saturday after half term, uh, build up to the Christmas trading. Um, and uh, the other point is that we do have a, um, a, a report on car parking, um, which aligned with an earlier scrutiny report, uh, is um, the, the, the fuller outcomes for that will come back to Cabinet in due course. This is particularly about Christmas car parking. Any comments? There are no comments. Uh, uh, Councillor Sell? And, uh, if I was, as I do, come to Suffolk Warden on a Saturday to the market, but invariably I've gone by three, and as most people I suspect have done, and I just wondered from the point of view of people coming into the town as to how welcome it would be because I, I think time you're after three, the, the numbers of people coming in to Walden will have gone down quite considerably, apart from people perhaps coming in um, to go to somewhere else. But well, um, I'll ask Councillor Redfern who wants to speak as well, but you 
It's a pretty accurate assessment. That is the mm. object of the exercise. The car parks at Christmas time are bung full in the morning, so mm. there's not an awful lot of point in um, making them free because uh, they just become fuller with people who are going to stay all day. Mm. Uh, but uh, people do extend the shopping day. Um, it might be a reason for them to come in because they know they can park for free. And it, it, it did indicate some benefit. We'll try and accurately measure it uh, this year as well. But certainly we saw an increase in post-3 uh, post o'clock parking. So I take your point, but in, in a sense that's part of the objective. Councillor Redfern. Thank you. I was going to um, more or less answer the same question as um, someone who has um, a business who... Should I have declared an interest? I will benefit from this, people being able to park um, after three. I think the thing is, for all of us, after three o'clock, it tends to go very quiet, and the idea is, is that being free from three o'clock will encourage people to stay longer and hopefully shop longer. Um, so as a member of the um, Saffron Town team, we were um, very pleased to have this and the fact that we've extended it further than the consultation that um, was originally sent out, which we really do appreciate. And um, the bit between Christmas and New Year is it does help because it does, people do tend to go where the big sales are, and so hopefully this will help the um, towns in our district. So I'm very appreciative of this proposal. Okay. Any other comments? In which case, um, I remind you of the recommendations, which is to agree that Christmas car parking proposals introduce free after three, um, free parking um, up to uh, Sunday the 4th for the week after Christmas, um, and um, free parking on Saturday the 5th of December at Lower Street Car Park uh, due to the Frost Fair. Uh, those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Item 13 has been withdrawn for further consideration. Uh, so I move on to item 14, um, which is Developer Contribution Guidance, Councillor Barker. Chairman, um, the paper is... Uh, bullet point one of the paper says that... We changed these guidance in 2014, and I should read 2015. It clarifies that further down. Um, at a meeting in January 2015, the Cabinet adopted a revised developer contribution guide following government changes to national guidance and removed the requirement for affordable housing contributions from developers on schemes of under 10 units. This report seeks to adopt revised guidance, which is in accordance with the updated National Planning Policy Guidance, as a material consideration. The, charges will provide, the changes will provide an additional income stream which could help to fund additional affordable housing. Chairman, this council was very disappointed when the government made changes last year and pleased that the challenge by Reading and West Berkshire councils was successful. As a result, the council is able once again to collect financial contributions of schemes or 10 houses or less. The proposed changes reinstate the position the council in was, sorry, that the council was in prior to January 2015. Chairman, there will need to be further changes to this document once the strategic housing market assessment is published shortly. I propose the recommendation. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern. Uh, any comments? Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. I'm really pleased to. Um bring this back. As you know, that was the first time I actually had to abstain from voting on something rather than voting against Cabinet when we introduced this, because as Member for Housing, knowing that we have been a very good council at collecting our affordable contributions 
below 10, I was really disappointed to um, be put in a situation where we were being asked to remove that. And I think that um, if this should come back again, that we should, t we, sh we should join a lobby to object to this because... I think it varies from council to council. Some councils, obviously, that, um, collecting a contribution below 10 will affect developers and the development in their areas. But here, where we are a wealthy area with a lot of development going on, we haven't had a problem collecting our contributions. And I think it should be down to the discretion of the council. Um, you know, it's up to that council if they feel that that's not... Um, economically viable for a developer then they can remove it but it should be there for us to collect if we can so I'm very very happy to see this back Good Any other comments? Councillor Howell um, I remember the meeting well because I think it was the meeting in Dunno I wasn't on the cabinet at the time although I attended the meeting as member for performance and audit and I recall urging cabinet members on the condition obviously that I was never ever going to end up on the cabinet to vote against the proposal because I thought it was wrong, ill thought out and would almost certainly be rejected by the courts and would be dropped. That's water under the bridge but I do remember the council cabinet agonising over this uh, and I endorse what Councillor Redfern has said. This is very, very welcome news. I, I, and I won't say that we took the wrong decision at that meeting in Dunmo. I'm relieved that it, was, it turned out not to be a permanent decision. Well, as you say, there's no point in going back, but I think we had to at the time. But we, we, this is, the Cabinet collectively um, have pushed that, the, that we reverse it at the first available opportunity, which is tonight. So, any other comment? Those in favour? Those against, carried unanimously. Okay, item 15 is appointment to Cabinet Working Group, the Stansted Airport Advisory Panel. There is one um, vacancy for a, a residence for Ruttlesford candidate. I believe, yes, I think this slipped through the net. Um, and then when it came up just a few days ago, I nominated myself. Excellent. So Councillor Lodge is to go on the Stansted Airport Advisory Panel. That, that, do, we need a, do we need a seconder for that? <laughs> is that just a nomination? What's the etiquette here? Um, okay, we have a proposal and a second. And those in favour? And lots of ob objections, but it's been carried unanimously. Um, <laughs> Okay, that brings us to item 16, uh, items that the Chairman considers to be urgent. There are a few actually tonight. Uh, the first is that at the Council meeting last night, uh, part of the motion was that at cabinet, uh, the first Cabinet meeting, a, a refugee working group be established, and that we therefore need to do tonight. Um, the composition is uh, for three Conservatives, um, and I put forward uh, councillors uh, Redfern, Graham Barker and Felton, and I believe um, Councillor Parr is to be the Liberal Democrat, and Councillor Morris is to be the RFU. So we have a full set. Um, the uh, Cabinet needs to nominate a Chairman, and I'm proposing Councillor Redfern. Um, so uh, let's just take it those items. Um, that's my recommendation. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Wells, those in favour? 
unanimous. Uh, Councillor Redfern abstained. Um, it says on my crib sheet, um, lead officer. Now, I'm not sure it's for the Cabinet to um, appoint the lead officer, but I don't know whether the, the lead officer is Mr. Harborough. Uh, the next uh, point are the terms of reference. Um, and uh, there were quite a list of uh, references in the motion, and I would propose that those initially are the terms of reference, but obviously the working group can come back and ask for more uh, powers if it so wishes. Are we in favour that uh, those are the terms of reference from the motion last night? Yep. Do I have a... Uh, I'll propose it. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern? Uh, or Councillor Howell, probably better. Um, uh, and those in favour? Okay, thank you. Carried unanimously. Um, and we made the point last night, and I'm sure the chairman will take this on board, that uh, it, the committee, the working group, should be looking outwards as well to, um, uh, to bring on board um, parties beyond the council who will have a relevance to their work. We wish them well. Um, we need some fairly speedy action, um, and um, we look forward to a full report at the next council meeting and perhaps an interim report before that. Okay. If that's all okay, thank you. Um, the second uh, urgent item is a representative on, for, for outside bodies is on the Cooperation for Sustain, Sustainable Development Board. Um, Councillor Susan Barker has been doing that work for a number of years without being officially recognised. So tonight I propose that Councillor Susan Barker is the Council's representative on that, uh, all the work around the duty to cooperate, which is very essential to the progression of the local plan. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Wells, those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. I don't have any other urgent items, so I declare the meeting closed. Thank you very much.